This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 78, and we are recording on April 25th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson and Katie McLean, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Katie is a public library reference librarian and one of our resident mystery slash thriller slash horror velocireaders. Welcome, Katie. Woo, thank you. So we, it's been a while since we did a, like, all one genre kind of recommendation show with, um, you know, a guest expert. And I noticed that we had some mystery thriller questions kind of piling up. So I went through the contributor list, and Katie writes about mysteries and thrillers, and it's in her bio and horror and all that kind of stuff. So um, I asked her, and she was nice enough to come record in the middle of a disgusting Tuesday. It's so great for you all. It's like the most... It's been raining for five days. No, it's actually been raining here for several days. Also, it is. It is now spring suddenly again. You should, guys, you, you guys should come out this way. It's gorgeous. I think we sent you our rain. You're in well, Illinois. Well, fine. Yeah, Chicago area. Yeah. Mm. Good news, however. This is so dumb, and I don't know why I'm telling an audience about this, but the Chick-fil-A by my house has been closed for two months for renovations, and it opened up again this morning, so I have a breakfast burrito. I'm not going to eat it on the air, but I'm very excited about it. <laughs> and I do donate to like human rights organizations every year to offset how often I go to Chick-fil-A because I feel really bad about it. <laughs> but, you know, chicken biscuit. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And that was my random food-related... <laughs> Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving right along. So here's how the show works. You, the listeners, send us your reading quest- uh, book recommendation questions, and we answer them. So that can be anything from what should your book group read next to what should you give your great aunt for her birthday to this book just ripped a hole in your heart and you need something just like it. Uh, we also will send email responses if the question is super time sensitive and we don't think we're going to get to it on air, or if the uh, question has been sitting around for a while and we've answered to similar ones that you don't have to wait anymore. Uh, Related to that, if your question is time sensitive, please do put a note in either the top of the email that you send us to get booked at bookriot.com or to the very top of the form that's at the bottom of all the show notes on the site um, with the exact date that you need the answer by so that we can try to get to it in time. Um, We're also doing a series of Dear Get Booked posts on the site for some of the questions that we uh, need to take to the contributor core because they are just so specific Mm -hmm. and outside of our expertise. Uh, So keep an eye out there as well. And before we get started, I just want to mention one more time that you should definitely check out insiders.bookriot.com because we have launched this very exciting exclusive content for subscribers. Uh, You can get the new releases index, which is magic and shows you like it's actual magic, actual computer magic. Uh, It'll show you all the releases for the coming weeks and you can build a watch list so you can keep an eye on them and know what you're excited about buying. Um, We also have a very few spots left at the Epic level for uh, that get you access to an insider's forum, which is hosted on Slack, where you can chat with staff and contributors and your other Epic subscriber uh, folks. And you should check it out. Um, so you can go to oh, bookriot.com slash podcast insiders, please and thank you. Okay, so I'm going to read the first question, and then we're going to do our first sponsor, and then we're going to dive into the recommendations. So our first question is from Lexi, who says, My friend enjoys mystery thrillers uh, like Michael Crichton and Agatha Christie and the James Bond books, but also recently discovered erotica. Are there books that combine these flavors? Would love to get her a new read. What a good question. Hey, 
Okay. Um, so our first sponsor is the. Ti- it's a title. I say that every time. Like I have to clarify that we're not that like we're recommending books on this book podcast. It's just silly. Uh, anyway, so the book is called Startup. It's by Dory Schaffer, and it's from Little Brown and Company. So this is a novel about you guessed it, startup life. The main characters are Mac, who has invented like a successful app. It's called Takeoff. He's trying to turn it into this like great big one billion dollar business, as you know people who found startups often do. Uh, the, and then there's Katya, who's this ambitious, young, kind of tech journalist. She's looking for a scoop that's going to really drive traffic to her site. And then Sabrina is a failed creative writer who's just rejoined the workforce. And, of course, now at this point the workforce is younger, more computer literate, kind of hipstery since she's been gone. Uh, but before the, la- the like ink on Mac's latest round of funding even dries up, there's this huge scandal that engulfs their entire lower Manhattan office where all three of them work. Um, and so this is a novel about youth and ambition and love and money and technology in general, technology at this specific kind of moment in culture. Uh, the great thing about it is that it's so close to the source because Dory is a senior culture writer at BuzzFeed News. And she has also written for uh, Slate and Rolling Stone and Wired and, and a lot of other publications that would give her really kind of rubbed up against access to startup culture and tech journalism. Um, and dealing with a young, hipstery, kind of know-it-all sort of uh, workforce. So if you are at all interested in any of those things, everything from the human nature of uh, human nature of youth and love and technology in this moment in our cultural history, then check that out. That's Startup by Dory Schaffer from Little Brown and Company. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Okay, so... Mystery thrillers that are also erotica. Yes, my first pick for you is Madam X by Jacinda Wilder. And this is a trilogy. Um, And the mystery part of it is not solved, or not revealed, rather, I should say, in the first book. So this is really a recommendation for a trilogy as opposed to a single book. So, So it's told from the point of view of the unnamed Madam X, who lives in complete isolation in a very, very fancy penthouse and works as kind of a... um, consultant of sorts, where her job is to take the soft and annoying and obnoxious, entitled, lazy, dumb, rich sons of CEOs and multi-billionaires and turn them into the sort of men who can run corporate empires competently. And uh, she does this, however, she is also sort of owned by the man who owns the building. She's not allowed to leave. Um, She's not allowed to dress herself. Lots of that sort of stuff. His name is Caleb. And as the, the they have a very uh, submissive, dominant sexual relationship, uh, among other things. And as the book progresses, you realize that she doesn't have any memory of who she is. He says that he found her like on the side of the road after a car accident and brought her to this penthouse and set her up in this job and like saved her life and gave her an identity. Um, and she has no money, power, memory, agency, anything, so she's kind of stuck. And in this first book, she decides she wants to find out what happened to her, who she actually is. Also, she kind of falls for somebody else. It's very complicated. And then as the series continues, she continues to uh, work on that mystery of who she is, where she came from, how Caleb ended up finding her, uh, if she, how, how to get away, if she can get away, all this sort of stuff. And in, in all of that is a lot of sex. There's just a lot of donut. So there you go. So that's Madam X by Jacinda Wilder. <laughs> Hashtag it's complicated. It's, Hashtag a lot of doing it. <laughs> just a lot of boning. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> um, 
So mystery, thriller, romance, and erotica is like a whole subgenre of romance and erotica. And it's not one that I actually read much of, to be perfectly honest, um, because it's it seems like it's so often serial killer related and I don't love those. Uh, so, so, so my rec for you with that caveat is that it's a mystery I read recently that had a bunch of sex in it and I thought it was super fun and that your friend might like it. So it is The Chemist by Stephanie Meyer. Yes, that Stephanie Meyer of Twilight fame. I have read, I'm not going to be embarrassed about this. I've read like basically every book she's written, um, because I find them like popcorn and Are there, this one, uh, something other than Twilight? Yeah. Oh, she also wrote this like sci-fi called The Host that was made into a actually pretty good movie. Not a terrible movie. Um, it was fun. Yeah, you should check it out. It also has it has aliens and sex, um, but <laughs> yes. not but not alien sex. Let me be specific. Those are two different things. They're two different things. Um, so in the chemist, the main character whose name I have already forgotten. What is her name? Well, she has like four names because she's undercover. Okay, so the main character whose nickname is the chemist is this like brilliant chemical engineer who was hired by the government to do, like, you know, black ops um, sort of interrogation-y wet work thing with all of her fancy chemical knowledge. Um, and then she basically gets, she doesn't know why, but her her mentor in the inside the department is killed, and she is on the run, and she's been on the run for years, and they keep trying to kill her, and she, like, sets all these booby traps every time she goes to sleep, and it's really elaborate, and she's just, like, exhausted. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have any family. She's just alone in the world. And she's like, why do I even keep trying to live? And then one day she gets a message from her former handler. That's like, we need you for a job. And if you come in, no one will hurt you. And she knows it's a trap, but she's so tired of being on the run that she's like, fine, I will see I'll find out what the trap is and like, see if there's any way out of this. And she ends up, I'm trying to think of how to talk about this with spoilers without spoilers. She ends up, there's a guy and I don't want to say anything specific about the guy because it's spoilery. But anyway, there's a guy who eventually she has sex with. Um, and it's this intense adventure of her like trying to figure out why she's on the run in the first place and then also figure her way out of this trap that she, you know, intentionally walked into but still has not figured out you know, the full extent of. Um, and it was very page turnery and it was very, like, I read it in a weekend. It was a really lovely weekend on my couch and I just really enjoyed it. And I thought that the romance that is in this plus the sex scenes were pretty well done. So that's The Chemist by Stephanie Meyer. Okay. Um, so I think that I picked probably the tamest one in terms of <laughs> levels of sex. Um, but I thought that this book kind of had like a taboo element to it. That's maybe not, it's not expressed in like outright sex, but it's got like yeah, that taboo forbidden kind of like really suspenseful element to it. And also this book is just freaking awesome. Um, it's called Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinbro. Um, it came out, I think at the beginning of the year, it was, it was, big, big release. Um, and the main character is Louise. She has a one night stand with a married man named David at a bar at the beginning of the book, which is awkward enough. But then she finds out that he's the new psychiatrist at the clinic where she works. So he's essentially her boss, which she did not know when she hooked up with him. Um, so that just makes an awkward situation even more awkward. Um, and then one day, uh, when Louise is dropping her son off at school, she runs into David's wife, Adele. Um, 
just kind of out on the street. She knows who Adele is from, you know, seeing photos in David's office. And Adele asks if they if she wants to go get coffee with her. And Louise is like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and so she starts spending time with Adele and kind of develops this friendship. Um, but Adele does not want uh, Louise to mention to David that the two of them are friends or are seeing or, you know, spending time together outside of work. Um, and from talking to Adele, Louise realizes that there is something deeply wrong with her marriage to David. Like something's really going on there. And, uh, and then on top of that, Louise and David also realize that they are still attracted to each other. So she's got this friendship that she can't talk about with David. She is still very much physically attracted to Adele's husband. And so obviously she can't tell Adele that. And she just gets pulled into this messy relationship, love triangle while at the same time trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this marriage. Because, yeah, like I said, there's something very, very deeply wrong going on there. Um, This book, I this is another really page turnery book. Um, I stayed up way past my bedtime finishing (laughs) this one Um, when it before it came out. The publisher was um, the big draw for this book. They had a hashtag going that said hashtag WTF that ending. And the the catchphrase or the, the tagline for the book was why is everyone talking about the ending and like all the blurbs on the back of the book were about, oh my God, that ending. So of course I had to read it. And obviously I will not give anything away away except holy cow, WTF that ending. It was, this is probably the most surprising ending I have read since Gone Girl, which is saying a lot because I read a lot of psychological suspense. Um, but this, this ending was, took me completely by surprise and I just loved the book to pieces. This is one that I hand out to a lot of people at the library. Um, so yeah, again, not as much explicit sex as maybe some of the other two recommendations, but still it's super, super interesting read that um that you should definitely check out and that is behind her eyes by sarah pinborough wtf that ending (laughs) good hashtag good hashtag (laughs) all right question two is from mark who says i'm looking for a young adult or new adult mystery or crime series with strong writing i do love a simple question yeah, it's very straightforward. Yeah, just the same. One sentence. Awesome. Okay. All right. So uh, YA series, mystery series, strong writing. So I picked the Jacoby series by William Ritter. The first book is called, unsurprisingly, Jacoby. I think there are four or five uh, at this point. And this is a historical mystery young adult um, situation with a fantasy paranormal uh, twist. Uh, it was blurbed when it when it first started coming out. It was blurbed as Doctor Who meets Sherlock, which I think is very kind of accurate. Um, so it takes place in the late eighteen ni- or early eighteen nineties in New England, and uh, Abigail Rook is sort of the main character. She befriends a man named R. F. Jacoby, who is a kind of private investigator, you know, Sherlock style um, private investigator. Uh, the twist thing here is that he has the ability, the odd ability, to see supernatural beings where most humans obviously do not. Abigail also does not, uh, but she does have a gift for noticing uh, details. Like, she's very detail-oriented, which um, Jacoby, who is kind of of a head-in-the-cloud sort of big-picture adventure sort of guy, uh, does it. So they make a great team. She gets a job as his assistant. um, And then on the first day in this first book, they land themselves uh, in the middle of hunting a serial killer. Uh, The police are also hunting the serial killer. Uh, Jacoby thinks that it's not uh, a human, that it's some sort of supernatural creature who's doing, uh, who's committing these murders. The cops, of 
course, are not so much uh, on board with that, and they openly deny that that's even a possibility. Uh, and so they have to go off and solve the crime. And each book is a, is like that. There's you know a new mystery for this team to solve. Uh, it's got a Sherlock Watson kind of flavor. Um, it's really it's nice because it's like a. I haven't read the last couple of books, so I don't know if this stays true, but there's a nice platonic element to that, which in in YA is not as common as I'd like it to be. So um, the first one is great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, You could probably read it in like a day, an afternoon. Um, So that's Jacoby by William Ritter. All right. I picked a series that is not normally put in this genre, but the main character is a teenager when it starts and... It was the first thing I thought of. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what you get. (laughs) So that's what you get. Well, I did love it. So it's The Beekeeper's Apprentice by Laurie R. King, which is the first in the Mary Russell and Sherlock Holmes series. Um, And so it's like, I don't know, 12 or 15 books long at this point. Um, But so she obviously ages up over the course of the book. But for the first several, she is a teenager or a new adult. Um, And in The Beekeeper's Apprentice, which is the very first one, you meet Mary Russell. She is uh, like sort of of has a terrible home life. Her parents died in a car accident. Um, She is in the care of this awful aunt, and she is roaming around the Sussex Downs like you do when you're a miserable teenage girl. And stumbles upon a guy who's, like, doing some weird experiment with bees, which is, of course, Sherlock Holmes. Um, and aged, like, uh, age, you know, he's, like, in his, I don't know, what, actually, 40s or 50s or something. Um, he's retired. And he is doing bee experiments and just basically trying to live a normal life. And she is very, very smart. And he quickly sees how smart she is and how bored and how, like, she, her life is just kind of not great. Um, and he and she develop an unlikely friendship. And he starts training her. And the art of detection. Um, and of course, you know, hijinks ensue, adventures, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I don't know, we read this with my book club, and I, I was really surprised at how much I loved it because Sherlock Holmes retellings are a tricky, tricky thing. Um, but this first one, it had there's there's Moriarty, which is always great. Like I love me a Moriarty story. And um, and Mary is so independent-minded and, like, sharp. Like, she's so snappy. I really enjoyed their relationship in this first book in particular. So that's The Beekeeper's Apprentice by Laurie R. King. Okay, I will. I will. I will second that recommendation. I loved The Beekeeper's Apprentice, Yay. and and I I was really surprised at how much I liked it too, because um, I'm not always into the really historical stuff. So yeah. yeah. Also, I can. I'm going to co-sign your rec. Like whoa. So. You know. <laughs> All right. So my recommendation is I Hunt Killers by Barry Liga. It's the first book in a trilogy, uh, in a young adult trilogy. So the main character of the story is Jazz Dent, who's 17 and is also the son of one of the country's most notorious serial killers. You know, like most 17-year-olds are. (laughs) And uh, his dad um, has... At this point in the story, his dad has been sent to jail, convicted for killing something like, I don't know, like over 40 or 50 people or something like that. It's crazy. Um, But uh, Jazz lives with his grandmother, um, and he's worried that he's kind of destined to turn out like his father um, because Jazz knows that he he's charming he can be manipulative when he needs something kind of worries that there's a part of him that's gone bad and that he's ultimately going to end up like his father um also his dad kind of taught him the family business as jazz was growing up so like jazz is eight years old and his dad is teaching him like how to hide severed body parts
shirts and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, so messed up, <laughs> so messed up, <laughs> you know, typical, typical eight year old life, you know, where, where to hide the severed limbs. Um, and so at the present part of the story, um, the bodies start piling up in Jazz's hometown again. Um, and they bear a resemble a very strong connection to, uh, Jazz's father's victims and the way that they were killed. It's not, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it's not like ex- the exact same way, but there's definite connections to where whoever's doing the killing is very familiar um, with, uh, with his father's victims. Um, so you combine that with the fact that Jazz has a tendency for showing up in places he's not supposed to be, like at a murder scene, <laughs> and he has to kind of clear his name with the police because the police are starting to think that maybe Jazz has something to do with it, do with this. Um, so Jazz and his friends have to try and dig up information on this serial killer. Um, if you could not tell already, this is a very, very dark and violent young adult book. Like when I read it, I mean, I read a lot of dark and disturbing things. And even I was surprised at how dark this got. Um, but if that does not bother you or if you like um, if you like Dexter or for whatever reason, I thought I thought this had some similarities to the Gretchen Lowell and Archie Sheridan series by Chelsea Kane, like that kind of level of serial killer darkness. Um, if you like either of those books, this is totally up your alley. Um, it talks a lot about the nature of evil. Are killers born or are they made? And, you know, how do, how do you kind of reckon with that? Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really interesting book. I have not read the other two yet in the trilogy, but those are definitely on my reading list. Um, and that is I Hunt Killers by Barry Liga. I said before that I don't like serial killer novels, and it's true, but I did really like them. <laughs> Somehow it was fine. Um, okay, so question three is from Kate, who says, I'm looking for book recommendations for my mother. She is a huge fan of Agatha Christie and is also especially fond of the Mrs. Polifax books by Dorothy Gilman. She loves that they feature older women solving mysteries, conducting espionage, finding romance, and leading full, exciting lives. What series or standalones should I get her to keep me firm in the favorite daughter category? Excellent question. Agatha Christie read-alikes are like my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I just love them so much. Okay, so my recommendation for you is the Maisie Dobbs series by Jacqueline Winspear, of which there are like nine at this point, I think. So she's like on track for Agatha Christie levels of production. Um, But Maisie Dobbs is such an excellent character. So these books are, they take place post-World War I. Maisie is not older by our standards but she's in her 30s and in the early 20th century she's she's single um and that's kind of a notable thing for a woman in her 30s to not be married but she's also a private investigator so she set herself up as um as like a pi who solves crimes and mysteries and and stuff like that um so it's a great like time period she's a very enterprising and smart character and her backstory in the first book is is uh is so interesting she starts off as like an upstairs downstairs housemaid because her mother dies and her father um is a like produce delivery person and can't afford to care for her uh and so while she's in this house as a housemaid she she's super smart and has really like a lot of natural curiosity and finds herself like breaking into their library to read all of their books and she gets caught and the owners of the house uh along with one of their friends who is a doctor realize that she's really intelligent and very bright and decide to like kind of sponsor her. So they send her off to Cambridge. They sponsor her education. Um, she's ends up not being housemaid, but then she leaves Cambridge at the start of world war one to go off and, and uh, to go to the front as a nurse. And so when she comes back, 
as an adult and set, uh, completes her education and sets herself up as a PI. That's sort of when the book starts. So you get all of that backstory. And she's a, she investigates a, a different, usually murder, but something, a different crime in every book. Um, and what's interesting about her is that she doesn't, it, it's not like a Sherlocky thing. She's not a super genius. She's not a jerk. <laughs> she's not like secretly a light sociopath. Um, she's just smart and hardworking and knows what she wants and um, is very observant. Like, there's nothing, like, extra, extra special about her mental acuity or her capabilities. Um, also, a thing that I like about this series is that it, it takes a lot of World War One era issues. Like, the second book in the series is almost entirely about dealing with uh, how soldiers who were coming home from the front would develop addictions to opiates uh, and then would develop really bad drug problems after they got off their treatments from their uh, you know their injuries and stuff like that which is in a it's a part of world war one history i never really knew so there's that angle that i really enjoy and um you know they're they're murders so they're violent but it's agatha christie level kind of violence like you're not gonna want to put it in the freezer <laughs> so that's the macy Dobbs series by jacqueline winspear all right. My recommendation for this is a series I just discovered. So I've only read the first one, but boy, did I love it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is the Auntie Lee's Delights. As, well, that's the first book in the series. It's the Singaporean Mystery Series by Ovidia Yu. And oh my gosh, <laughs> Auntie Lee is amazing. So her full name is Rosie Lee. Um, she is a widow and she has a restaurant. She's a very good cook. Um, she doesn't have to work. Her husband left her rich and well off, but she just, she's, she likes to be active and she is nosy as all get out. Like she's a classic busybody, and that is her superpower. Like she just cannot stop being nosy. Um, so she <laughs> pays attention when people come in because she wants to know what they like about her food and then she also wants to know like who they're dating and what they're up to and what's going on and who's mad at who and who's you know all of these like the gossipy stuff is what she pays attention to and then one day um, a tourist couple finds a body on the beach of this like tourist haven you know a resort area um, and that same night they're they're having a like wine and food tasting at Auntie Lee's restaurant and one of the guests doesn't show up so immediately she's like oh my gosh what if it's the body and everybody's like that's ridiculous um, <laughs> turns out there's more there is a connection uh, and so this series is like it's um, Auntie Lee is really fun um, but I will say that it got more serious than I expected it to like this book addresses homophobia and misogyny and like there's a lot of emotional stuff that comes out over the course of the book but it is ultimately um, a very enjoyable and like feels lighter than its subject matter might otherwise because the main character is so delightful um, and you get a couple other p points of view and like watching other people interact with Auntie Lee is also super fun. Uh, so I don't know. I just I enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh, so that's Auntie Lee's Delights by Ovidia Yu. And there's three books in the series. Okay. Um, so this, I have to say this is not my particular subgenre of mystery, so I had to do some research for this. Um, so my pick um, for this question is the Agatha Raisin series by M.C. Beaton. Um, it's a pretty, it's a 
very well-known uh, cozy mystery series. I have not read any of the books, but I'm familiar enough with them that I can make this recommendation with confidence. Um, partially because um, I think it was one of the reviews uh, for one of the books described Agatha Raisin as a modern Miss Marple. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Um, but Agatha Raisin is a re uh, retired owner of a London-based PR firm. Um, I think, I don't know exactly what age she is. I think she's like in her mid 50s. So she's not like quite senior citizen, but definitely, you know, middle-aged. Um, and after retiring, she moves to this tiny, charming British village. And of course, when she moves to the tiny, charming British village, there is all kinds of murder and mayhem and hijinks and stuff like that. Um, the first book in the series is Agatha Raisin and the Quiche of Death. Of <laughs> with a cozy mystery, you have to have a good food-based pun in the title. Obviously. Um, obviously. Um, so in, in this book, Agatha enters a quiche baking contest and her quiche promptly kills one of the judges and so she <gasps> clear her name. Yeah. Um, deadly quiche. Deadly quiche. Um, so throughout the series there's um there's a lot of really interesting, quirky secondary characters, which I know can be a, a big draw for mystery readers. Um, Agatha herself, she's assertive, kind kind of cantankerous, like not quite, you know, like get off my lawn level of like senior citizen cranky, but like she's full of sass and she's, uh, and she's got what one review called an eye for the gentleman. So she, she knows what oh she my. <laughs> Oh my God. I am all she, over this. <laughs> she knows what she wants and she goes out to get it. Um, so it sounds like this would be a really fun series for your mom to read. Um, there's a ton of books in the series. There's up to, there's, well over 20. So if your mom likes these books, you will have plenty of other books to give her for holidays, so you should be pretty firmly set. Um, so again, that is the Agatha Raisin series by M.C. Beaton, and the first book in the series is Agatha Raisin and the Quiche of Death. I'm putting it, I'm adding it to my good name shelf right now. amazing. <laughs> you sold the heck out of that. That's so good. She's got an eye for the fellas. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, focus. I had to mute myself because I was laughing. Um, okay, so question four is from Sally, who says, I really love gothic books with supernatural themes and characters like ghosts and witches. Lately, I've been craving a good supernatural mystery and was hoping you guys could point me in the right direction. Okay, yes, we can. I picked The Magpie Lord by K.J. Charles, which is the first in the Charm of Magpie series. And it is very gothic -y. It actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Wilkie Collins, but with some romance and actual supernatural stuff and not fake supernatural stuff. Um, so the main character is Lucian, who is a mm, lord. Um, I, get, I get like English nobility titles kind of mixed up. Yeah, he's a lord. And he does not get along with his father or his older brother. They're both kind of uh, horribly abusive, bad people. So he's like fled. He's lived in China for the last 20 years. But then his father and brother both commit suicide, um, like out of the blue. And so he inherits an earldom and he comes home uh, to kind of clean up his father's estate, sell it hopefully, and then move back to China uh, where his life is. Unfortunately, when he comes here, some sort of witch or warlock or something has set some kind of curse on him and uh, he finds himself continuously trying to commit suicide and he doesn't know why. So he hires a magician named Stephen Day to figure out what's going on and break the curse, solve the problem so he can move on with his life. Unfortunately, um, Lucian's family, father and brother, ruined Stephen Day's family's life. So Stephen has a lot of uh, built-up revenge that he wants, or like built-up anger, resentment is the word I'm looking for. And he, he doesn't want 
to deal with this guy, with Lucian. But it's his job. In this universe, in this universe there's like a, a, a social hierarchy of magic and they have, you know, like a justice system. They have uh, their own like police force, that kind of thing. And he is a member of that. So it's his job to deal with these supernatural threats that, that are... Um, that have come down upon Lucian. And of course, as the book progresses and they're trying to figure out who's trying to kill him, uh, Stephen and Lucian decide that they might be a little bit in love, which is awkward and unfortunate because they're supposed to hate each other a little bit, kind of. Um, So they have to work through that also. And the magic in these series is very gritty. I've recommended this on the show before and I've said it before, but it's very much like earth-based, blood, spit, gross, dirt, that kind of stuff. Um, There's not a lot of like spells made up of fake Latin words. It's mostly like you have to cut yourself and bleed on a thing to make it do what you want. So it's, it's got an added element of like danger and grit that I really enjoy. So that's the magpie Lord by KJ Charles. All right. I have not read this book yet, but it's been on my TBR pile for a while. And I thought of it immediately when I read this question, it's white is for witching by Helen Oyeyemi, who is amazing. PS have read many of her other books. Um, but this is one of her earlier ones, I think. Is that right? Yes. And, um, it is, I think it's exactly what you're looking for. It takes place in like a big Gothic house, um, <laughs> in, in, on the cliffs near Dover, right? Uh, there it's a family story. So there are, uh, the mother Lily has, is gone and her twins Miranda and Elliot and then her husband his name is Luke are like mourning her really intensely Um, and the house is also like acting out and you know confusing visitors and making things grow where they shouldn't and lots of weird stuff and the house is also haunted by past generations Um, and then one day Miranda like disappears Um, so there's a bunch of there's like several layers of mystery here Um, there's lots of magic and there's that like creepy gothic house element to it all of which combine to make like a book that sounds exactly like what you are looking for so that is white is for witching by helen oyami okay um i went back and forth so many times on this question deciding what book i wanted to pick i had so many i had so many suggestions um but the one i went with is night film by marisha pestle um this is more of a hard-boiled noir type of mystery rather than a gothic story um but i love this book and i love how it blends mystery and the supernatural into something to where you can't quite tell where one starts and or one where one ends and the other one begins begins. Um, the main character is Scott McGrath. He's a disgraced journalist um, who comes across the story of a recent uh, suicide of a young woman. Her name is Ashley Cordova, and she is the daughter of the leg- of a legendary reclusive cult horror film director named Stanislas Cordova, who's kind of like a fictional combination. I thought of like Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch to kind of give you an <laughs> idea of his type of character. Um, McG- and so Scott McGrath's career was ruined previously because he publicly accused Stanislas Cordova of committing horrible crimes, but he wasn't able to prove anything. He just kind of came out and said he did this stuff. And so, of course, with nothing to prove, he he was out of a job, and so he really lost his career over this guy. Um, But with the suicide of Cordova's daughter, uh, McGrath 
keeps feeling that there is something, something's wrong here. Something's going on. Um, and he's not sure what it is, but he's really compelled to keep digging into Cordova's life to find out, you know, kind of what it was that he missed before. Um, so he starts trying to dig up information about, about Cordova and Ashley and their relationship and her life and stuff like that. And as he gets farther and farther into his investigation, you start seeing more and more hints of, black magic, witchcraft, possible devil worship. Like it gets really dark and eerie and really, really creepy. Um, and then he gets to a point where he's asking himself, like the, are the murders that happen in Cordova's movies actually real? Like, you know, what, what happened when these, when these movies were being filmed? Um, the, the reason why I love this book is because it feels so real. Um, the author, I thought this was so cool. She includes like screenshots of websites and photos and internet forms to create this like really hypnotic backstory for Cordova um, about like it's like like the the deep the the dark web um, like people go onto these forums where they can talk about Cordova and his films and these in you know, these dark human tendencies and impulses and she just creates this really fascinating backstory um, and as she as you learn more about his movies. Like I was reading this going like these movies sound so intense, but I really wish they were real. So I could see what everyone in the books is talking about. Um, Cause everyone kind of comes away from these, these books really changed. So it's, um, there's, there's a lot going on here, but it's so atmospheric and creepy and wonderful. And I loved it. Um, a potential spoiler alert, but not really. I do, I do feel like I'm, obligated to mention something um a lot of a lot of mystery readers expect everything to be you know neatly wrapped up by the end of the book this book does not do that so if you are a person who typically likes your endings uh neatly you know neatly tied up at the end um you either may want to find a different recommendation or at least prepare yourself when you start reading that not everything is necessarily going to be answered in a satisfactory fashion um i won't say any more than that but i think that is something important because this is a very open-ended book but it's it's so good um again that is night film by marisha pestle awesome okay we are gonna do our next sponsor before we get to the next question which is perfect by cecilia ahern it is the sequel to flawed which you may remember reading and or hearing about um and it is so in our in flawed we got introduced to celestine norse who was raised to be perfect um in a society that demands perfection like not even kidding like will imprison you if you are not do not pass their perfect standards um and then then she break, broke a rule and, you know, messed everything up in her life. Um, and she has been on the run, basically, um, ever since. And she is, like, all of her freedoms are gone and she's lost her family and everything is over. But she has a secret. And in the second book, we find out what she's going to do about it because the secret that she has could bring down the whole system. Um, so she has to decide like, what is she going to do? What choices is she going to make? 
So this is a must read if you are a fan of Radhika Roth or Lauren Oliver or Marty Lou, if you love action packed YA, if you love those great, you know, future society dystopia system that seems perfect and is actually, actually the worst. Uh, this is one of the ones you're going to want to pick up. Uh, so that is perfect by Cecilia Ahern, which is the sequel to flawed. And okay, our next question. Hit me. Uh, this is from Katie, who says, "Let's see. Uh, I've been I'm a, I've been a huge lover of mystery novels for a long time, but I haven't really been able to expand my library in that genre in the way I'd like to. Um, my favorite mysteries are ones that are more character than plot driven. Although, of course, I want the mystery itself to be intriguing and well thought out. Authors that I love include Robert Galbraith, Tana French, Elizabeth George, Lindsay Fay, and Ruth Rendell slash Barbara Vine. Also, a highly devoted lover of Sherlock Holmes. Um, I would appreciate any recommendations you could give me that fall under the description of character-driven mysteries, uh, standalones, or first in a series. Um, let's see. Highly open to mysteries that drift into other genres, such as romance and or sci-fi fantasy, though that's not a specific request. All right. Okay, so my pick for you is You Will Know Me by Megan Abbott, uh, who writes these really excellent kind of neo-noir mysteries that almost entirely focus on teenage girls, which is just so, I just love it so much. So this is like a gymnastics murder mystery. Uh, it's about Katie and Eric Knox, who are kind of your typical middle-class um, sports-addicted family in that all of their life revolves around Devin, who's their 15-year-old daughter, um, who's a gymnastics prodigy and Olympic hopeful. And so they've gotten into a lot of debt um, and kind of shaped their careers around supporting Devin. They also have a younger son who kind of gets pushed off to the side. Um, and so Devin is the, the rock upon which all the hopes of her family and also the rest of her gymnastics uh, gym, I think it's called. They call it a gym, right? Yeah. Are, are placed. So all the other girls who attend this gym who are in classes with Devin and their parents are kind of looking at her as the rising tide that's going to raise all their ships. Um, but then someone in their community dies a couple of weeks before a really important um, national competition. And rumors start to kind of swirl throughout the parents. There's a lot of gossip about what happened. It's the um, boyfriend of one of their coaches who dies. And so everybody becomes suspected. The girlfriend becomes suspected. Um, a lot of the other mothers become suspected. And the, the book is told from the point of view of Katie, who is Devin's mother. And um, so you're with her as she kind of like mourns this death of somebody who she didn't know well, but who her daughter was really close friends with and also tries to hold her family together. She realizes that her husband is acting kind of oddly, that he's hiding something from her at the same time um, that she realizes that her daughter's doing the same thing. So you're trying to get to the bottom of both what happened to this boy who was killed, who was hit by a car, um, and also, like, so who did that and why, but also what's going on in her family um, and what does that have to do with the death. So I won't tell you any more because more than that would uh, probably spoil some stuff but this came out um was it last year in 2016 like right around the time of the olympics so it was a really great timing and that's when i read it i, I listened to it on audio and it's a great audiobook it's one of those like you'll end up sitting in your car and missing appointments and stuff so that you can find out what happens next so that's you will know me by megan abbott 
All right. I have a lot of the similar tastes that you do. Um, your author list was like, oh, yes, I have read and love those people. And so, and you also said that you were open to sci-fi mysteries. So I'm going to take advantage of that and recommend you Infomocracy by Malka Older, which is like a high stakes, action-y mystery thriller. But what really made it special for me were the characters. So it takes place in a very near future in which there's a new kind of government. Um, everybody, it's, it's like, it's microgovernment. So you live in what's called the Sentinel, which is a region of like 100,000 people, and your Sentinel can vote for any number like of, of possible governments. There are like hundreds of them that you could vote for that are all sort of tailored to different... Um, you know, viewpoints, but on the micro level. So like, do you care most about the environment or do you care most about legalized drugs or do you care about like military safety? Like you can vote for a government that matches your interests. Um, and then whatever your sentinel, you know, whichever way your sentinel goes, no matter where it is in the world, that's the government that you have. And this system is sort of enforced by this, um, Google-esque organization called Information that tries to counter, you know, the fake news phenomenon that we are so familiar with um, by debunking any any claims made anywhere, whether by politicians or regular people, that aren't actually true. Uh, so they attempt to keep everyone honest so that during the elections, like, people can make smart choices. Um, and, of course, this is not a perfect system. Lots of things are messed up with it. There's all kinds of, like, back alley deals. And there's also a couple of parties that have have more power than the rest of them, and they are maybe doing things that are not on board, you know, what's supposed to be happening. Um, and there's three characters that you meet. There's Ken, who's like a very, uh, he's a low-level politician, like aide. He's a political aide for a party that he really believes in, but he's starting to see that like maybe there's things going on that perhaps should not be going on. Um, and then there's a character named Domain who just like thinks that this whole thing is ridiculous and bring down the whole system and burn it all down to the ground. And then there's Mishima, who is an information operative, but who's like, she's she's not an assassin because she doesn't kill people, but she's got like all of these, like she's super good with knives and she sneaks <laughs> in, she sneaks into places she shouldn't be. And like, she's basically, she's an operative. Like they send her in when things are getting hairy and somebody needs to go and find out what's going on and maybe like punch some bad guys in the process. Um, and you, but they all have different views on the system of government. And it's so great the way they all like give you these little insights into the world that the story creates. Um, and this is the first in a series. I am dying for the second one to come out. Like I, I, Null States comes out. When does it come out? Sometime this year. I can't find the exact publication date, but oh, it's going to be, I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Uh, so that is Infomocracy by Malka Older. Okay. Um, I also have to second that I loved the question. I was like, oh, I love that author. I love that author. Um, shout out to Tana French fans. Tana French is the best. Um, but for this uh, for this question, my pick was uh, The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. Um, and the main character of the book is Karen Gray. She's an African-American woman managing a plantation in Louisiana. Um, her mother used to work on the plantation when she was young they used to live there so she and um she also has like family history tied to the plantation like some of her ancestors were slaves that worked there so she's got a lot of ties to this place um and at the towards the beginning of the story um 
there is they discover a body on the property on the plantation property. It's, um, they discover that it's a migrant worker, an undocumented migrant worker who works in the sugarcane fields that border the plantation. Um, but not a lot is known about her. They're not sure, you know, how she ended up on the plantation side of the property or what, you know, why she was over there, who she who might have killed her. Um, but while the police are investigating, Karen has a staff member that she can't seem to track down. He's just kind of gone missing. Um, and he's a young, uh, young African-American man, I think probably like in his early to mid twenties. And the police are really determined to try and pin this murder on him. Um, because they're like, well, you know, he've, he has like, there, there's just stuff going on with him, um, that they think make him a really viable suspect. Um, but Karen thinks that they're really going in the wrong direction, that they're focusing on, on the wrong aspect. Um, and as she kind of gets more information about the murder and, you know, is talking to people, um, she realizes that the murder of this migrant worker might actually have ties to the plantation's history and ultimately Karen's family history. So she becomes really tied into this investigation. Um, and as she learns certain things, she has to decide whether or not she's going to tell the police about it. And the stuff that she doesn't tell the police obviously complicates her situation exponentially because then, like, you know, when something else happens, she's like, well, can I go to them? Because then I'd have to tell them that I didn't tell them this. And then it just gets really messy and complicated. Um, but there's this, I mean, beyond the mystery, this is also a novel of race and class and old and new politics and and it's there's just so much going on here. It's a really layered novel, and it's really not very long. Like, I think it might be under 300 pages. It is such a readable, interesting, compelling book. The characters are so well fleshed out. There's so much history. Um, also, as kind of a bonus, if you want a novel with a really strong sense of place, this book really makes you feel like you are in the heart of Louisiana. It is, it's really incredible what the author does with that. Um, so again, that is The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. Okay, our last question comes from Lauren, uh, who says, I've been an avid mystery reader my whole life. The Westing Game was my favorite book growing up. I've read all of Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayers, uh, The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie series, Number One Ladies Detective Agency series, The Air Affair. I've read all of Gillian Flynn and Honespo. Uh, let's, uh, my favorite movie is Clue. And my favorite TV series is Murder, She Wrote. Yes! Same. After all those likes, what I'm looking for is more mysteries. I'm very partial to stories with a lot of twists, locked room mysteries, mysteries with a large suspect list, and my personal favorite, a large group of people stuck at one location for an extended period dealing with a mystery of some kind. Although I would happily read any kind of mysteries you throw at me. Okay, so I picked A Murder in Time by Julie, Julie McElwain, which is the first in a series. Uh, this, the first one just came out last year, so the second one just came out this month. Um, so it's a very, very short series so far. There are only two. Um, but this hits a lot of the things that you said you like. It's got a lot of twists. There's a, a really large suspect list, and it is a large group of people stuck in one location. Um, so the main character is Kendra, who is a rising star at the FBI. She's the result of a kind of eugenics scientific experiment that her parents, who are both brilliant scientists, underwent, wherein they didn't really like each other, but they wanted to see what their combined genes would come up with, like what super baby they would get. So they, they got Kendra, who is very, um, very smart and intuitive, but didn't want to follow the path that they set out for her. So she abandons her family, um, which is not a bad thing. They're kind of awful people. And she joins the FBI. Uh, there's the disastrous 
kind of raid in the beginning of the book that results in the death of half of her team. And so she decides she's going to go after the mole in the FBI who's responsible um, for the murder of the only people who she's ever like known as her real family. So when she's doing this, she, she ends up in England at a really old, um, like, ancient castle where this big party is being thrown, where she's going to assassinate this guy. So she's essentially gone rogue from the FBI. Um, the assassination does not go well. Another player comes on the scene and tries to kill her while she's fleeing from this unexpected other person. She stumbles back in time. She comes out of, she like flees into a stairwell, comes out of the stairwell, and she's in the same castle except it's 1815, and she's just tumbled into the study of like a duke who lives in this house in 1815. Um, so she is very quick thinking. She pretends to be a newly hired ladies maid. The castle is full of um, people who were there for a house party for, for the week. And so there are, you know, tons of people um, suddenly living there. So she manages to get away with it. And then a body is found on the grounds of a girl who has been tortured, raped and murdered. And so she has to use her, 21st century FBI skills because she's a, she's a forensic pathologist, I think, and she's also a profiler. So she has to use those skills um, to solve this murder and make sure no one else dies, but without revealing that she knows things about science that have not been invented. Like, the term scientist did not exist at this time. So she has to figure out how to go about solving it without giving away <laughs> the fact that she's a time traveler. Um, and since it's 1815 and there are no cars or no, no means of really uh, quick travel, everyone is kind of stuck at this castle with all of the people. And the suspect list is like every wealthy male who lives within two miles, um, which is a larger suspect list than you would imagine. Um, so it's really fascinating. It's, it's like upstairs, downstairs, but with murder. So like if Downton Abbey had a lot more death... <laughs> It's and time travel. <laughs> and time travel, yeah. It's it's great. I just really like it. There's a lot going on, but it's a lot of fun. So that's A Murder in Time uh, by Julie McElwain. I never know how to say that. McElwain. I think that's right. Um, I also, I went back and forth on this question so many times. There were like 16 books I wanted to recommend to you. Um, but I decided to go with another one that also happens to be a time travel mystery. And the reason I'm recommending this to you is because I also love Clue. And this book has the most feel of Clue that I've been able to find. It is To Say Nothing of the Dog by Connie Willis. And it is like a humor time travel mystery. So the the book takes is actually the second in the Oxford time travel series, but you don't really need to know anything about the series to read this. Um, the main character is Ned Henry, who is a historian, but in this concept, uh, historians can actually go back in time to observe the things that they're studying. Um, there's all these rules and they, you know, get sent back with like the correct kind of clothing and, you know, they, they are Try, they pick times where they everything's going to be, you know, it's not going to be weird for them to show up, and they do their best to blend in, and they know there's all these rules about not changing anything, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there are, but there's also like budget cuts and there's a bunch of things going on and there's people demanding that people go research other things. Uh, and so Ned gets sent on this mission to research a, the layout of a cathedral that is being rebuilt by a wealthy family. Um, except that he's like in on too many time jumps. So he's super boggled and doesn't actually know where he's going or why he's going there. But he thinks that on the other end, there's going to be this like other historian from his time who will talk 
talk him through it. So he gets to 1940, um, meets a student who he thinks is his contact but is not, and ends up at this like summer home with this family. And then there is another historian there, but she's like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. You're going to mess up my mission. Um, and in the meantime, there's all of this like World War II stuff, and then there's this mystery, mystery surrounding a particular object called the Bishop's Bird Stump from the cathedral. It's so, like, it's so full of hijinks and silliness and, like, complications and people not being where they're supposed to be or not being who they're supposed to be, but with, like, a huge dose of humor. Um, it's it's such a great farce. It's just the most fun. Um, and it has a lot of the... Uh, it was inspired in part by Jerome K. Jerome's Three Men in the Boat, um, and it has a lot of the, like, running from one room to the next, trying to figure out, can't let this other person see. Oh, my gosh, that Clue has. So I just think you'll... I think you'll... In, I think you'll love it. Uh, so that is to say... Nothing of the Dog by Connie Willis. Okay, so my pick for this one is about probably as different in tone from Jen's pick that you can possibly get. Um, it's Confessions by Kane Minato. I Did I say that right? I think. Uh, this Can is I... an issue we run into constantly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We don't know how to say anybody's name. We don't. We're okay. Though. So we're going to go with Kane Minato. Um, this is more psycho, like literary psychological suspense than an outright mystery. Um, but since you seem very open to a wide range of books, I thought this would be a good one to pick. Um, the story begins with Yuko Moraguchi, who is a middle school teacher in Japan. Um, she has just uh, tendered her resignation because um, in the short... In a short span of time, she's lost her fiancé and her four-year-old daughter, um, which her students are all very much aware of. And the first part of the book is the teacher giving one last lesson to her class. And she tells she tells the entire class about how her daughter came to be killed. And in doing so, she implicates two of the students in her class um, for murdering her daughter. Um, she doesn't come outright and say who it is, but she definitely implicates um, a couple of kids in the class. And in doing so, she sets in motion this really horrific plan for revenge. Like, I am I am not going to describe it anymore. All, all I can say is that when I got to that part, I was like, holy banana pants. Like, <laughs> this is... This just got intense. Um, and... I when I this part of the book I'm uh, I was picturing what you mentioned lots of people like in a locked room scenario I mean they're not in a locked room but you know a lot of people in the classroom listening to the teacher's story and trying to figure out like what's going on who is she who is she referring to um, and then the rest of the book is basically how her how the teacher's actions and how her plan for revenge affect the other people. Uh, in the class and the people in their lives. It's kind of it's really like a ripple effect. Like the teacher's story is at the center, but the real overarching story of the book is how her actions affect these other people and how it changes and ultimately destroys these people's lives. Um, there's a lot of twists in this book. Um, it is really dark, really unsettling. Um, this is one of those books where every time I finished a chapter, I felt my stomach drop a little bit more at the end of every chapter. Um, this is not what you call a necessarily a feel-good book, but it is it gives you so much to think about, so much to chew on. Um, it's just, it's a really, really thought provoking kind of disturbing, um, 
psychological suspense novel that I actually really want to reread to kind of pick up on stuff that I missed the first time. Um, So again, that is Confessions by Kane Minato. And that's our show. Good uh, thank you. Yeah, very good timing. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, folks, if you have a minute, please do re- leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show, and we always love to see feedback. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors today, and you can find us all on social. Um, we're going to go around and say where you can find us. So I'm Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson. And I am at KT underscore library lady. Excellent. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time.